We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast presented by FanDuel. It is Tuesday, October 10th. Happy 26th birthday to ex rookie of the year and current Charlotte Hornets backup point guard, Michael Carter Williams. Nick Whalen here. I'm joined by Alex Barutha, who is a member of our NBA staff located here in Madison, Wisconsin. Alex, good to have you on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a long time coming. So I'm going to hand it off to you right away. You actually participated in an expert league last night or a draft I should say for an experts league uh, via ESPN uh, last night with a number of other guys around the industry so tell me a little bit about that uh, what was unique about this draft and then just kind of recap I guess um, you know some of the things that happened at the top of this one sure I mean we're what we did is we used the official new NBA um, scoring for fantasy which is a points format um, it's the system that FanDuel currently has so we're basically playing year-long fantasy with a daily points format so you get one point for a point 1.2 for rebounds one and a half for assists and three for steals and blocks um the main thing with this one is guys like Andre Drummond who can really hurt you with free throw percentage um in categorical leagues that account for that he goes a lot higher um in this format he went um 
I believe he went, yeah, he went 29th uh, in this league, which is a lot higher than he can sometimes go, depending on whether or not you decide to punt free throws, uh, something like that. DeAndre Jorgen went 24th. Um, overall, it also, with steals and blocks being worth three points, it really puts high value on guys like, I mean, I mean Giannis's value is already high. Um, but guys like Anthony Davis, who get a lot of steals and blocks, those guys, I mean, guaranteed to go top five at this point. Right. Yeah. So I'm looking at, you know, the, the draft results here, which maybe we'll throw these up, uh, on the site later. So everyone can see these, but like you said, guys who are getting those steals and blocks going quite a bit higher, Hassan Whiteside, uh, went 14, like you said, Deandre Jordan, 24th. Um, I mean, was there anyone else that given this format, went considerably higher than you've been seeing elsewhere um I, I know maybe on the other end of that spectrum one guy that you and i both really really like is kevin love he went pretty late in two of the drafts that we participated in the last couple of weeks um and in this draft you know, not a guy who gets a ton of steals and blocks granted but still 37th overall for kevin love who in my opinion is probably finally in the best situation that he's been in since leaving minnesota yeah i mean i agree with that kevin love i mean depending on how they choose to play having him standing out at the three-point line and bringing shot blockers away from the rim presumably i'm assuming other teams are gonna have their center guard and kevin love it should open up plenty of driving lanes um and cutting lanes for him to basically stand at the top of the key and pass to those cutters i assume he'll get more assists than he has um over the past couple years which should really help in a points format because that's worth uh 1.5 points um I mean, Kristaps Porzingis, depending on how you feel about him, he went 26. I took him there. Um, I really like him with the absence of Carmelo Anthony, especially since, um, I mean, he'll get you plenty of blocks, no shortage of blocks for, for Kristaps at all. I mean, where are you at on him overall? I've, I've said this before on this podcast, and I'm hesitant because everyone loves Porzingis, and I too do love Porzingis, but I feel like he's slightly overrated through his first two NBA seasons. And that's not an indictment on what the rest of his career will be, what his upcoming season will be. I just think, you know, he's kind of lumped in with Carl Towns, you know, just, just because they were in the same draft class, they were both in the top five uh, and, and they were both great as rookies. But if you're looking at this purely based on the numbers, Towns is, is at least a tier or two ahead of Porzingis to me. Um, and, you know, I, I think part of the appeal with Porzingis is that he's such a unique player and we really haven't seen anyone at this size do a lot of the things he does. But Porzingis is seven foot three and, and averaged 7.2 rebounds per game while playing over 32 minutes last season. Like, I, I don't know if we're talking quite enough about, you know, some of the areas in which he needs to improve. Yeah, I was just, I'm glad you brought up his height. I was just about to say for a guy who's seven foot three and plays power forward. And is athletic too, you know, it's not like he's a yeah. stiff. I mean, you would think that they he would be able to just dominate other power forwards in the post. I mean, we've kind of entered a point in the league now where everyone has a stretch four. I mean, if he's got Nikola Mirotic on him in the post, that should just be points every time. He should shoot like 75% mm-hmm. on jump hooks. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, he should be more dominant than he is. He should almost be, you feel like Carl Anthony Towns dominant, uh, especially defensively, which, I mean... I, he doesn't he doesn't necessarily want to play center so that'll kind of keep his blocks lower than I think he has potential for but yeah I mean I agree with what you're saying his he can take advantage he's just a mismatch nightmare no matter where you play him mm-hmm. four or five um like you said he's still only grabbing like seven and a half eight boards a game under 20 points still I think losing Carmelo will help him 
but um this almost feels like it should be a breakout year for Przingis and if it's not right it's I, I don't I don't know when that would come yeah, necessarily. I mean, it's too easy. He's 22. He just turned. He's 22. 22 it's, always it's, it's forget too about early that. To, you're right. It's too early to say like you know if he doesn't if he doesn't break through this year, it's never going to happen because I think even if he doesn't break through and he's and he's a 20.8 rebound, three assist guy yeah. the rest of his career, that's not terrible. Um, but no, I agree. I think we're going to see right away without Carmelo. There is that really what was holding Porzingis back. Or, you know, are there other factors at play here? Because looking up, up and down this Knicks roster, like, there is no one else. I mean, who is who is their second best player overall? I mean, is it Tim Hardaway? It's got to be Tim Hardaway. I think, And I don't really think it's all that close. Courtney Lee? Uh, Enos Cantor, depending yeah, on how you I'll, feel about yeah. him. I mean, for offensively. Right. No. Um, but, well, yeah, true. I mean, I've, I've heard, you know, rumors about Tim Hardaway Jr., um working on his ball handling skills oh thank god um yeah since the point guard situation in new york isn't great uh to say the least but yeah i mean i would go with tim hardaway jr actually i like him this year for fantasy um but it's it's not great and i i think enos Cantor is probably their second or third best player Mm -hmm. but he has his defensive liabilities for sure Right. No, I think so, too. I wanted to go back to Kevin Love quickly, too, because you mentioned, you know, the Cavs, all signs at this point are that he's going to start at the five. And in my mind, I think that's going to help him a lot, because like you said, he's no longer going to be guarded by fours. Like if you're, you know, you look at the other top teams in the East, if, if Cleveland's going up against Toronto or Washington last year, that meant Markeith Morris or Serge Ibaka are guarding Kevin Love. Now it probably means Jonas Valanciunas or Marcin Gortat are guarding him, which is clearly a much better matchup because you can't stick those guys on Crowder. You're sure as hell not sticking them on LeBron or any no. of the guards. I, yeah, I mean this this to me figures to be LeBron's or excuse me Kevin Love's best year. I mean since he left Minnesota, um, he's going to have the opportunity with Kyrie Irving to be truly the second option on offense. Um, and I mean, yeah, I mean you can't. You can't switch centers off of him really in that starting lineup because, like you said, or the, I mean, are the are the Warriors going to put Zaza Pachulia on Jay Crowder? Maybe, maybe I don't know. <laughs> I hope not. On LeBron, like, what are they? I mean, what are these teams yeah, supposed to I do? I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, that's the thing. I think that's the added dynamic with Cleveland. It's like they doubled down on what they do well, which is score the basketball, and basically have not really addressed the defensive issues <laughs> at all, other than Jay Crowder. But right. they, that was it's by default i yeah. guess i don't know yeah i mean obviously you're like thompson is their best all-around defender i think They're, right maybe I, I don't know there's a case to be made for crowder now but either way you're basically removing your the only interior defender on that entire roster from the starting lineup and i think you kind of have to because you're replacing one of the best three-point shooting point guards in the league and Kyrie irving with one of the worst and Derek rose so if you're going to start rose and wade I think part of the reason that they want to move Thompson out of the lineup is that with those two guys in there, you can't have a third non-shooter on the floor. No, you just, you run into all kinds of spacing issues doing that. Um, yeah, I think just having Kevin Love stand out at the three-point line and um, maybe having Wade and um, Rose come off screens and drive to the inside of the basket, almost kind of like the Al Horford role right. um, in Boston, which is what I envision the Cavs offense to look like. Now, we haven't really seen the full... Cavs team yet through the preseason we don't know exactly how that's going to look because LeBron hasn't played for obvious reasons they don't mm-hmm. want him hurting his ankle even tonight, more right uh he might be yeah I think he is yeah yeah we're getting pretty close to the regular season at this point right. um 
So, yeah, I mean, I'm looking for Kevin Love to have a big year. And, I mean, like we mentioned before, he went, I think, 37th. He went in the fourth round of this points league draft. And I just – I assume he's going to average 20 and 10. And I don't really think guys who are averaging 20 and 10 should be going in the fourth round. Right. No, I, I, I'm with you on that. So, Nurkic went 35. Um, we I was looking at our rankings yesterday. I was talking to some guys out in Portland who were asking me about him. And he – According to our algorithm, he's in like the 150s, which weighs heavily because he's a 60% free throw shooter who takes a ton of free throws. And we only have him projected for, I think, 65 games because he's missed a ton of games each of the last couple of years. He's coming off of an injury that that hampered him at the end of last year. I mean, where are you at on Nurkic if we can assume he plays 70 to 75 games, if not more? Um, I mean, in this in this points format, I'm fine with him going at 35 um i think i kind of i mean i rope him into the same tier um as like nikola vucevic to some extent joel Embiid. that's obviously complicated to to judge um dwight howard those kind of a guys i mean the main thing with nurkic is he's shown a pretty good ability to pass the ball well and he's a good shot blocker and with shots being worth three points um in points formats and in daily he's really valuable he can have some huge games for you um in categorical formats which a lot of leagues are still going to use his free throw percentage is really going to hurt you um but i mean he's a hot he's a high volume player or he's a high usage player i should say within that offense i mean you know last year when he joined the team they made a really good playoff push they won a lot of games Mm -hmm. he was a huge part of what they do on offense so um in points formats yeah he's he's a guy i draft high but um you might as well punt free throws if you take right. them in a categorical format. Well, I didn't realize too, like just how drastic the increase was when he went to Portland. I mean, he was only averaging like 18 minutes a game in Denver, but he came to Portland and everything basically doubled. Like shots per game doubled. You know, free throw per, or field goal percentage, I should say, remained exactly the same despite going from six and a half to 12 uh, field goal attempts. Even the free throw percentage increased. His assists went from 1.3 per game to 3.2 per game. That's what's most intriguing to me about him is if he, if he can give you two blocks and maybe get up, you know, creep towards four assists per game. I mean, all of a sudden you're looking at basically vintage Marcus Gasol type of numbers. Yeah. Um, I mean, they they looked really good with him last year. Um, I, I don't see how they won't continue to utilize him in the offense at, at a high level. Um, yeah, it was surprising, like, how quickly he adjusted in Portland. Like, he was, like mm-hmm. you said, he's playing 18 minutes a game. He's catching a lot of DMPs. He was unhappy. Like, I when they made the trade – um initially i mean i it was just a really interesting trade from a basketball perspective because both teams kind of got what they needed um i'm just i'm really excited to see what he can do with a full season i really like i really like his chances with Mm -hmm. portland uh all right so injuries james and i i don't think we haven't recorded in almost a week so we didn't catch the exum injury we haven't caught the rondo injury and i think the batum injury actually happened mid-recording. So we've talked a little bit about Batum. The timeline, I think, initially from uh, Shams was 8 to 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there were some other reports right away that said he's done for the year. But I, I think with Batum, it seems safe to expect that he's out probably at least through Christmas. Um, I mean, what the thing is with all these injuries, maybe with the exception, exception of Exum, but especially Rondo and Batum, is these are two teams that have no room for error you know, when it comes to these type of injuries. I mean, the Pelicans and the Hornets, I think, are two teams that are bordering on playoffs. Uh, Pelicans maybe a little bit more due to the depth in the West. But um, I guess we'll start with Batum. 
if he misses a significant time, which he's going to, that means Jeremy Lamb moves into the starting lineup and they have virtually no bench at all. I mean, Malik Monk is going to be playing 20, 25 minutes a game by default. Yeah, I mean, thankfully the Hornets are in the East, so right. the Batum injury won't won't hurt them as much. But yeah, I mean, to me, this obviously means a lot of Lamb being playing at both the two and the three probably. Um, and Malik Monk... I mean, I like you said. I think he's actually going to be like a six man, which is kind of no what, choice. Yeah, yeah, they have no Maybe choice. It's him or Dwayne Bacon. It's him. Or, it's him or Dwayne Bacon or Michael Carter Williams at point guard. And he's hurt right now too. Exactly. So I mean, to me, Malik Monk's probably gonna. I, I mean, I kind of look at him as like a Jamal Crawford to some extent. Yeah. Just a guy who can kind of play both guard spots. He's not going to really get you that many assists. I mean, you shouldn't, you know, go into a fantasy draft or anything thinking he's going to get you assists. Um, but I mean, from yeah, he'll play twenty six minutes a game. He'll he has a good chance. I mean, he's a microwave mm-hmm. scorer. Yeah, I mean, he'll have some big games for sure. I think he's a guy too that you know it's he's he was almost a bigger name you know coming out of school than I think like if you're a casual college basketball fan, you were probably shocked that he fell out of the top ten. Yeah, but he's just one of those guys. You know, if he's two inches taller, he's probably a top five or six pick. He's kind of a tweener. He needs to gain weight. Um, and like you said, he's a, he's a microwave scorer. He has those games much like Jamal Crawford where. Sometimes he goes 8 of 11 from 3. Other times he goes 0 of 9 from 3. So, you know, if you're in a league that counts field goal percentage, that's going to be an issue with him. Like, I I do think he's going to have a nice rookie year just because the volume is going to be there. But I would be very surprised if we're, you know, come mid-February and he's shooting better than, like, 42 43%. Yeah, I think that's fair. That might even be high. Yeah, it could be. It's probably pretty high, actually. And I guess we'll see if uh, Jeremy Lang keeps rebounding at an insane rate. He had, like, a 17-rebound game last year. Him and Avery Bradley were the two guys last year that just, like, I don't know if they just worked on rebounding for an entire summer. I don't understand it Yeah, their rebounding rate shot up. I mean, Lamb's (laughs) interesting, I guess, just because he... He's he's been weird because ever since he's left OKC, his three point percentage has been declining. Yeah. But I think his true shooting percentage is going up. So I don't even know, don't know what to make of good. that at all. I don't know. If right? He, yeah, it's it, the stats just don't make any sense to me. He's a weirdly good rebounder for being a guard. Yeah. Um, he's really efficient from from two. Yeah, I mean he shot fifty four percent on on all of his two point attempts last year. Twenty eight percent from three for a guy who I think. You know, he wasn't he wasn't a Malik Monk coming out of school, but he was a similar type of player. Like I think most people expected him to be a very good three point shooter in the NBA, and he was for his first two years. And yeah, like you said, thirty four percent in fourteen fifteen, thirty one percent two years ago, and then just twenty eight percent last year. Yeah, I just don't know how that happens. I don't know. I mean, he's he's somebody to own though, right? I mean, I don't know where where did he go in this draft last night. This is the first one that I've looked at. Uh, since the Batum injury uh he went 126 so that's right in the same area as Markeith Morris Justice Winslow Dwayne Dedman Josh Richardson I feel like he should be a little bit higher yeah I mean I took Lou Williams in that same round yeah. even though I tried to draft Tyler Johnson I ran out of time but yeah I mean I think I'd rather have Lou Williams but still I, I mean Lamb is probably in that sphere now yeah no for sure I mean he's he's another one of those guys he's gonna play almost i mean is he gonna play 30 minutes while batum's out well let's look at this depth chart right now so you have you have dwight howard at center you have marvin williams at the four kid gilchrist at the three lamb at the two kemba at the one two of those guys kid gilchrist and dwight don't shoot threes whatsoever kid gilchrist is maybe like the one player in the league who's a worse three-point shooter than dwight (laughs) um 
So, I mean, to me, that means that they're going to have to find ways to get shooters on the floor. Like, Lamb, like we said, profiles as a shooter, but he actually isn't a good shooter. So, like, does, I mean, does that mean we're going to see more Kaminsky than they probably would have planned? I actually, I really like, <clears throat> excuse me, I really like Kaminsky's chances of playing a lot of minutes. Yeah. Like, because I think I, this Cody Zeller thing with Dwight Howard, I don't think Cody Zeller can play power forward. Well, not with Dwight. Not with Dwight. No, that's the thing. And, and Dwight, Dwight can't play the four with Zellers. So, no. Yeah, they're and interchangeable. If, and if we're assuming Howard's going to play 30 minutes a game, I like I, to me, Kaminsky's the guy. Because Marvin Williams can play three. Right. And I think at that point, you just put Kaminsky in at the four next to Dwight or Kogi Zeller in a lot of these lineups. Right. Um, it's hard to tell exactly how much time Kaminsky's going to get. But I remember last season when Kogi Zeller missed some time, um, Kaminsky had some great games. Like he was a like a one hundred percent. You play him in DFS. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I I like his chances to be fantasy relevant yeah. as long as Batum is out, especially. Right. Um, obviously, he's a late round flyer to some extent. Well, I think Batum is kind of the guy that that held this roster together in a lot of ways because, like we said, there's just there's not a lot of depth. And if Kemba's off the floor, I mean, there were a lot of times that Batum was basically operating as the point guard. And I don't know what happens now. I mean, they. They've kind of tried out Malik Monk these last couple preseason games. I don't think they really want to hand a lot of minutes to Julian Stone or Marcus Page, who spent all of last year in the D League. Like, I'm actually a little surprised they haven't made an addition. Like, they seem like the team, you know, that would that would pick up like a Jared Jack type, or oh, uh, yeah. I don't even know who's floating around out there. Like, is, is Ray for Alston available? Like, one of those type of guys. <laughs> yeah, I you yeah you would think they need like one more. You need somebody, yeah. Because, like, losing Batum, like you said, Batum played almost four positions for them at all times. Yeah. It's almost, I don't want to say it's like um, Draymond Green or anything. but No, like, I think in some ways that's right. Yeah. To, for being a central part of their team and what they do on the floor every single game, I mean, it's, losing Batum is a pretty big thing. Um, actually, I think this helps Kemba Walker. I mean, at this point, Kemba Walker is just going to have the ball in his hands probably all the time. Yeah. Um, when he almost played a little more, like, shooting guard, role where he you know he only averaged like five five and a half assists a game last year um i believe his assists went up when batum missed time um last season and so i think this will be the case this year and he's generally a low turnover point guard as well mm-hmm. um i mean i really like kemba in fantasy yeah. i think this only helps him too well his progression as a three-point shooter too is i mean that's, that's really what's made him you know go from a top 30 top 40 guy a few years ago to you know someone you're considering in the top 20 you know, 2014-15, he was a 30% three-point shooter on four and a half attempts a game. Comes back as a 37% shooter two years ago. And I remember thinking, like, all right, this is a career year. He's never doing this again. And then last year, he's at 40% on a career high, you know, seven and a half attempts per game. So, I mean, it, is this sustainable from Kemba? Like, I think it should be. The question is, like, can he hold up and keep doing this, you know, over and over, uh, over the course of 82 games? Because... If Kemba Walker misses games at any point this year, I think this team is going to tank. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with that. It is going to be harder for him to keep shooting basically 40% from three while he's also carrying the right. entire off, while he's dribbling the ball and having to fight off mm-hmm. um, just other point guards on defense. It's it's going to be tough for him. I wouldn't necessarily bank on him shooting 40% again. He'll probably, I feel, I figure he'll shoot the same amount of threes, mm-hmm. just it's going to be hard for him to to continue shooting at that rate. Let's pause for a second so I can talk to you about SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy, and that is with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. 
Whether you're planning a day out with friends, searching for a last-minute deal, or buying a gift for a loved one, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek saves time and money, and you get the most bang for your buck. SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget, and it doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available too. And best of all, new users get $20 off their first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code ROTONBA today. That's ROTONBA, R-O-T-O-N-B-A. That'll get you $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. See it live with SeatGeek. Right seat, right now, right from your phone. So with Batum out, like where does Charlotte fit into the hierarchy in the East for you? Like I think there's, is it fair to say there's a consensus top five, not in any order, Boston, Cleveland, Toronto, Washington, Milwaukee. Yeah. And then it's kind of chaotic for those last three spots. Like To me, if Kemba stays healthy, if virtually the entire roster stays healthy, they're still in, in competition for that seven, eight spot. But I mean, we'll see. I, I think there, any team, it would, really wouldn't surprise me if three of, you know, Indiana, Miami, Detroit, Charlotte, and Philly, you know, yeah, get those I mean, final spots. And if, if throwing Indiana in there, it might be generous. It, it might be generous. But I mean, if, I mean, the Philly thing is 100% Joel Embiid. Like, it is. It is. But at the same time, it's like, even if Embiid plays half a season, that Philly roster versus that Pacers roster oh. or. You know, the Knicks roster, the Magic roster, like, I feel like by default, Philly's going to be a 30, 33 win team. For sure. And I mean, yeah, I, th- there's going to be so many teams in the East. Like you mentioned, they're going to be hovering around that, like, 35 yeah. win range. Like, Indiana has some promise. Orlando, I like the Jonathan Isaac pick. Mm-hmm. I think they'll go good with Aaron Gorgon. Um, I think they're going to get out and run. They got a lot of wings. Fucevic is allegedly going to shoot more than one three a game. We'll see if that. <laughs> we'll see if that well, happens. We'll, yeah, we'll see about. I mean, Dwight's been shooting threes all summer too, oh, so I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, they're still a play- the the Hornets are still a playoff team, just because they're well coached. Mm-hmm. I think that that plays a huge role in making the playoffs in the East is just well coached. Um, but yeah, I I still I would still have them making the playoffs. Maybe Miami slips in. I think Miami's in. Like, I, I wouldn't lock them in, but I think by default, I mean, you look at the eight teams that made it last year, you can for sure cross off two of them in Atlanta and Chicago. Like, oh, for yeah. sure, for sure. So, like, there's two vacant spots no matter what. And, like, it, I think a lot of people would probably want to cross off Indiana, too. Yeah. So, like, Miami, I would be really shocked if they don't make it just because they're so deep. Like, they can afford an injury or two and still be in better shape than the Charlotte team. That's a really important point. Like, the depth of these some of these teams in the East is so bad. Like, right. a lot of how I view how good teams are is what happens if your second best player gets hurt mm-hmm. like if any if any team's first player first best player gets hurt it's just over but right. what happens like if your second best player gets hurt you know what happens if chris middleton gets hurt for the bucks it's a lot different than what if Giannis right. gets hurt for the bucks so i'm like you said miami has a lot of depth um you know if goran Dragic goes down for some reason depending on how you feel about Dragic compared to white side as their number one player but I think it's close. They have, you know, they have Tyler Johnson, they have James Johnson, they have a lot of these like dynamic wings and guys who can handle the ball. Um, yeah, to me, I mean, I I have a hard time believing they'll go under 500. And if you are 500, you shouldn't make the playoffs right. in this East. Yeah, I mean, 500 almost got you in last year. It did get you in. I guess the Bulls were 500 and, and ended up with the tiebreaker over that Miami team. 
Um, I wrote the other day, other day, other day, and day, and like Miami reminds me of Boston last year, or maybe Boston two years ago, where you don't really have any great players. Like none, nobody on this roster, I don't think has ever been an All Star. Is Drogic? Once he has, okay, yeah. Drogic has, but other than that, no one on that roster is really an All Star caliber player. But you have. You go ten or eleven deep with really, really good players. Yeah, they're almost too deep. Exactly, and, and in the same way that Boston was, I think, in some ways last year, where you have a nice rookie in Jalen Brown who's playing sixteen minutes a lot of nights. Yeah, and I don't know, maybe that's that's kind of what Pat Riley was thinking when he when he made all these deals to r- retain these guys who played on a, essentially a five hundred team. Because right. I mean, the Celtics, I mean, the Celtics obviously had an insane amount of draft picks, but they found a way to flip a lot of those guys for one star player. Um, I don't think it's the exact same situation with Miami, considering most of these guys are like in their mid to late twenties. Yeah. Well, it was such an anti-Riley offseason too. Like usually he's the stockpile of the stars guy, and it feels like once he struck out on that, he just doubled down. It's like <laughs> Kelly Olynyk. Like you really want Kelly Olynyk for four years? I mean, I, I that was just such an, an odd signing to me. Yeah, Kelly Olynyk is a bit of a of a weird yeah. signing. I think in the long term, those. They might regret those, like same with James Johnson. Um, but I also don't think in the immediate future they're any worse for the wear. You know, if anything, they're no. better than they were last year. No, I agree. And I mean, yeah, the James Johnson signing is definitely it's it's kind of weird. Like he he had it, it was like his first real good year in the league, yeah. and they were like, well, this is definitely forever, uh, and they signed him. But it is tough to find guys who can play multiple positions, handle the right. ball. I mean, that's why, like. Evan Turner's contract in Portland, that's a horrible deal. They signed him for way too much money. But there's very few guys in the league who if basically anyone one through four on your roster goes down, you just give those minutes Mm -hmm. to that guy, James Johnson or Evan Turner, and they fill in and it's no problem. Well, exactly, and that's a good example. I mean, Portland has basically punted on having a backup point guard the last couple of years. It's like, well, it's either going to be McCollum or or Evan Turner. The thing with Johnson, though, is he's he's – 31 in february you know like this is his he's getting his first real nba contract at age 30 and like this is the age where you usually worry about you know handing out the paul Millsap type of deal it's like i mean he's going to be coming up on 35 when when this deal is over which i think you know if you're a casual fan i don't think you really realize how old he is because it seems like he's only been in the league a couple years since he's bounced around so much i mean i think even last season at some point i was like this i looked up how old james johnson was he's 29 like or whatever like i was just kind of i thought it was a different james johnson like i remember him getting drafted and it's such a common name you're like oh this must be this can't be the wake forest james johnson and yeah sure enough uh let's talk rondo sure first of all just just in general are you a rondo fan i love rondo okay me too okay (laughs) i He's never played on like a team that I root for, so I guess maybe that's part of the reason that I like him. Um, yeah, I think, but I, I mean, I think he's he's a better player than he's like than he's just been dragged through the mud so much by so many people. <laughs> he does in the last couple of years, and no, he's just fun to watch. But yeah, he's out four to six weeks, I believe, with a sports hernia. Yep. So much like Charlotte, the the New Orleans Pelicans have little to no depth. They have two very good players in the front court. They have one very good player in the backcourt. And without Rondo, one, I guess this means that Drew Holiday is actually going to play point guard, which is probably <laughs> yeah. a good thing for them. Um, but on the other hand, that means Etwan Moore and Tony Allen start seeing a lot of minutes at shooting guard. Uh, Ian Clark, too, Ian I think. Um, that's actually, I'm kind of interested in that signing. It's like, I didn't really know what to think of it because it's hard to judge the guys who just kind of got deep rotational minutes yep. on the warriors because their system is so perfect yep. essentially i agree um but yeah i mean for it seems like for about a month we're gonna see 
um, Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, and that's about it. Um, like Cunningham averaged six and a half points a game last year. I mean, Etwan Moore, uh, he's okay. Like I, these guys are just they you should not be starting for a team that wants to make the playoffs. That's ex- the problem. Exactly. I mean, and I like Rondo. I'm, I'm, I was fairly high on Rondo coming into the season. I still am, as far as like, mm-hmm. you know, being a a plus player and a good fantasy player and having a chance of exceeding expectations, which have been. I mean, Rondo's expectations have been really low since he since the Dallas playoff mm-hmm. incident, right? A few years back um i you know he played with cousins before he averaged i think a league high 11.7 i think it was the highest assist of his career that year yeah so i mean i'm i'm really high on him not necessarily i don't think he's gonna average 12 assists a game but this may be i mean since he left boston this is the best team he's played for um probably i mean depends how you feel about the map if you count the mavericks team i personally i do not okay this, this is by far the most talent he's had around him i think i mean those sacramento teams were trash yeah the, and even at the end of that boston run you know things things had fallen off dramatically from you know 2009 rondo to to the end of that exactly um well the nice thing is this is setting up for rondo to come back like a month into the year and either ruin the pelicans or <laughs> save them like they're either going to be doing probably pretty well or pretty badly when rondo comes back um, so that'll be a fun storyline to follow. But I mean, as far as fantasy, I think, I mean, some people might even just kind of ignore him. You know, if you're drafting this weekend, you'll see he's hurt. You know, if you're playing, especially in like a casual league, I think people might not want to deal with being without him for a month. You might be able to get him even more discounted than you already were. Yeah. He went in the seventh round in the draft. We, I oh, did really? yesterday. Yeah. And this was post injury. This was, I mean, I, I we did this yesterday. So yeah. I think. I mean, I think we knew he was hurt. I didn't know. I don't know if we knew how long he was hurt yeah. for. I mean, either way, it's only a month. It's not like he's going to miss five months. Yeah, but he. I mean, yeah, he went over. He went over Rodney Hood, um, and I mean, the point guard was pretty thin after that. So I mean, he's he's basically the last I think real starting point guard on the board at that yeah, point. I, th- I saw you got Collison late in the draft. I got Collison. Where did you get with him? My second to last pick. I, I feel believe. like I don't even know if I consider him a starter. Like, why is everybody out on Corey Joseph all of a sudden? Like, I feel like a year and a half ago it was like <laughs> he was the heir apparent in Toronto, and and then they just basically deal him as a throw-in for C.J. Miles. Yeah, I don't know. I actually I got Carlson one nineteen, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I mean Corey Joseph. I'm I'm not I'm not out on Corey Joseph. I just think he can play a decent amount of shooting guard too. Like yeah. I think they can play next to each other, and I mean for the time being, there's not. I mean you know how many starting point guards even if they may only play 26 27 minutes a game are you getting in the 10th round right of a lot of these drafts um i mean he's just he's been such a consistent like top 20 like the 25th best point yeah, guard in the league he's like maybe number 20 yeah. he's a yeah the 20th best point guard in the league over the past like five years straight right so i just the consistency I like, mm-hmm. um, I think he'll play well in the system. But yeah, I mean, there's a chance at some point, like especially if they're really bad, if if Indiana ends up being really bad, Corey yeah. Joseph could definitely get that spot. No, that's that's a, I've been a good analysis of Collison. I think like he's not, you know, like a flashy player to own in fantasy. If there is such a thing, like he's he's just a, you know he's a boring type of player. He's going to give you twelve points, five assists, five rebounds, like whatever. But that's the, I mean, like you said, that type of stability is actually really valuable. Like I, in our football stake league here, like I'm a, a Frank Gore owner. Oh yeah. And it's like, that's basically what he is at this point. It's like, he's, 
he's the starter for a bad team. There's probably more talented guys behind him, but you know, if you, if you want to go with a high floor type of guy, that Tim and you get him at one nineteen. One nineteen. He shot. He's taking. I mean, he only makes one three a game, but it's at forty percent. Yeah. He commits one point seven turnovers a game, four and a half assists. Like like you said, yeah. it's not flashy, but at usually people are just taking shots in the dark right. in the tenth and eleventh rounds to some extent, and to get a starting point guard at that at that spot, I felt mm-hmm. pretty good about it. Yeah. No, as you should. Um. Let's talk about Markel Fultz. We, you and I and some of the other guys in the office were, were just discussing this earlier this afternoon. If you're listening to this podcast, you've probably seen the disturbing, not safe for work, uh, footage of Markel Fultz shooting the it basketball. Really, it really was not and safe for And if you watched Markel Fultz uh, as a high schooler or you watched him at all last season at Washington, I thought he had a pretty nice jump shot. I would not have really critiqued it all that much. In fact, that was one of his strengths was that he was a great shooter off the dribble. Yeah. And now he is shooting some sort of push shot, uh, particularly on free throws. It's terrible. It looks terrible. Uh, and it was finally addressed by, by the Sixers uh, earlier this morning. And all of a sudden now we find out that Markel Fultz has a shoulder injury, one that he claims is very minor, one that he's been playing through, but one that also affects his ability to shoot the basketball. I, I don't like this at all like when has this ever happened before like a week before the season a number one pick starts tweaking his shooting form a point guard that's yeah. right exactly right i mean so his when you look at this his quotes and his play and brett brown's quotes are all different like Fultz said i wouldn't think it's making any effects on the floor because i'm playing through stuff like that he shot seven of 24 through right. three preseason games um he changed his free throw motion to make it easier on his shoulder. Like how how much energy? Like how, how can much? You say it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. I just have to change my entire shooting form to to compensate. How much effort are you exerting with your shoulder on free throws to right. wear? And so he was a forty one percent three point shooter in college. He's taken three threes. He's missed all of them. Um, and then coach. Brett Brown says, I think his shoulder is affecting him more than he lets on. You can tell with his free throw, trying to get the ball up. And the even so the 76ers are generally conservative with player injuries anyway. I don't really like Fultz's I don't I just don't like this is a bad I don't like the vibe of the no, situation and, at and all. I don't even think the missing the threes is the issue, but the fact that he's only taken three. Yeah, it's the preseason. the preseason. Why why not just like, shoot every time you're open. I mean, it was summer league, but didn't Lonzo come out and shoot like 14 threes in his first summer league yeah. game? Like, it's he was who like, cares? Like, just launch fire away, man. That, yeah, I, I just don't see how you can. I, I think it was like a nice attempt by Fultz to downplay it, but you can't. You can't say it's not affecting you, and then say that it's very clearly affecting you in the way that you shoot the ball. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think. We'll see if we're a month in and this is still going on. You know, then then sound the alarms. But it's just not the most encouraging news when we're this close to the regular season. Not at all. And to me, I mean, to me, it affects his draft stock and fantasy. I took him yeah. 76th in the league yesterday. I would not I would not do that anymore, mm-hmm. um, especially since rookies are extremely risky anyway. Um, and the team has plenty. I mean, the 76ers are really deep. That's that's one thing that's important to note, that if he's just not feeling well, if he's playing bad on a particular night, they have plenty of guys that they can just play right. that day. Like Jared Bayless, I mean, Brett Brown seems pretty high on Jared Bayless. They still have TJ McConnell, who is a very pure point guard. Yeah. Um, can just get the ball to guys like Joel Embiid and, and get out of the way to some extent. But 
I, yeah, I, it's this will be really interesting mm-hmm. to see how this plays out. Well, he's healthy or not, he's in such a unique situation for a number one pick where you look at other point guards who went number one, like John Wall, Kyrie, Derrick Rose. Like, look at the teams that those guys were walking into. No expectations. No. You know, I think in a lot of cases they were hoping they'd be bad again, get another top five pick, and, and then kind of rebuild that way. And, I mean, basically that's what happened with the Cavs, but unfortunately they basically botched all those picks. Right. Um, and Fultz is walking in, you know, in the same same type of pedigree as these type of guys – but you're also expected to win right away yep. with this team. So it's, he's in an odd situation. Like not many number one picks walk onto a team that has a guy who just signed a $150 million extension and have a, the number one pick from the previous year who's also not played. So there's, like you said, I think he might have a little bit of a shorter leash than, than other guys in his situation in the past. Yeah, and I mean, because, I mean, it's no secret when Joel Embiid plays, they were a plus team right. last season. So if you're a plus team, you expect to make the playoffs. Exactly. And so, yeah, if Fultz isn't isn't able to play or can't play up to the expectations, I mean, I think the 76ers are at the point where they have to play their best players. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to try to lose games anymore. Not at all. So no. there's no there's no reason to play Marco Fultz if he's playing bad. Right. And I don't believe they're in full control of their pick for next year are they i think that's somehow roped in with is that or is that some pick that they own is involved with the celtics deal for Fultz. okay so like you said yeah i mean not that they would do it either way but like their incentive to tank is lower than it's ever been oh for sure especially in the last three or four years so they've got, they've gotten all the uh all the picks they need yeah, at this i think point. they're good yeah so i mean I think a month ago or even a couple of weeks ago, it was a debate, you know, between Fultz or Simmons, if you're in a fantasy draft or if you're just handicapping rookie of the year, who is it? The way that Fultz has looked and the way that Simmons have looked have been drastically different on, on two ends of the spectrum. And I think Simmons is, you know, firmly ahead of Fultz right now in, in any sort of rookie of the year type of rankings or, or fantasy rankings. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Simmons uh, this season. He's going to be he's not going to shoot well at all free throw field goal see i think i was talking to james about this the other day like, i think his field goal percentage might actually be good because he's not he doesn't force shots that's a good like point. i think he'll shoot really well from the field but he just won't take any threes yeah he's not a half court player really right. like he's not gonna yeah he's not coming off screens and pulling up from like 18 feet yeah. but i mean i i watched his highlights from the, their most recent preseason game against the celtics he was running in transition he was basically posting guys up after running in transition right. and just doing like drop steps i mean it's kind of what he layups. did at lsu it's yeah just he every if he's in the lane he's gonna shoot it if he's not in the lane he's gonna find a way to get there yep. and, and put it up at the rim so i think his field goal percentage is actually gonna be good free throw percentage we'll see i mean that's really tough to project especially for someone who's been out for a full year yeah you would think he'd been working on that but we'll see who knows and yeah i mean three-point production anything you get from him from beyond the arc is a bonus right yeah for sure yeah. All right. Uh, anything else you want to hit on? Any observations? Any guys you want to talk about? Teams you want to talk about? Um, not off the top of my head. Although I will say, I thought you weren't as high on Kent Bazemore as I was no. coming into the season. He, I thought he was going to be the number two option on that team. It looks like it's going to be Dennis Schro- uh, Schroeder, and then everyone else yes. is like two A, B, C, and D. Schroeder has the second highest usage rate of any player in the preseason, <laughs> behind only Anthony Davis. Da- is- Davis is like five percentage points ahead of him, which is crazy. But yeah, Schroeder's at like thirty-three percent usage, which is insanely high. Anything over thirty is crazy. Yeah, he's I- averaging 
a shot every like 95 seconds that, from what I was able to calculate. He took like 19 shots or 17 shots in the first preseason game. He played like 20 minutes or something yeah. like that. Well, like, even even last night, 17 shots in 29 minutes. I'm afraid that he's actually going under draft. I think so point. too. I think he's I think he's fully embracing like the good stats, bad team. Yeah. He, I think he like wants this. The Russell Westbrook of the East, right. Dennis Schroeder. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I'm really interested to see how that plays out, but yeah, I will not, I'm not targeting Bazemore at this point. No, I mean, is, is it Torian Prince now? Like, I don't, if it's not Bazemore, I don't know who is the number two option. Like you said, I mean, I know you were kind of half kidding, but there, there might not really be a clear number two there. I don't think there is. I think they're going to do, there is the one year where every player on the Hawks made the all-star team. Uh, I, you don't want, you want, you don't want to talk about that. That was Ugh, this has come up a lot of times in this podcast. <laughs> People who listen to this know I that was the worst thing that the NBA has ever done. I'm not going to disagree with you. Put all those guys on there and give them the Player of the Month. <laughs> but oh. I, but that just, but that shows what Bugenholzer. That's who he right. is as a coach, and so to me, I think that's how they're going to run their offense. Yeah. Even though it's instead of having five all stars, it's mm-hmm. Baysmore, Torian Prince, Ursan Ilyasova. Dwayne Dedman and John yeah. Collins coming off the bench. Right. Yeah, um, I do wonder, like, do you think he's going to try to steer Schroeder away from this kind of crazy usage? Nah. You know what I mean? He, I mean, because they, they, I mean, he's their franchise player, right? They got rid of Jeff Teague for him. I guess. Yeah. And they've abandoned. He's facing battery charges. Yeah. yeah they, <laughs> they've, they've abandoned their entire roster. They got rid of Jeff Teague and it's just Schroeder. Like, to me, I think they're just trying to, like accelerate his development as much as possible even if it comes at the extent of winning 17 games or something like that i mean if budenholzer wasn't the coach here i would be very tempted to say this is like a 10 or 11 win team honestly like i really think this is one of the worst rosters we've seen in the last five years yeah it is maybe even 10 years it probably it is one of the worst rosters i've ever seen and the only reason i wouldn't put the bulls there is because they have levine and yeah you and know. even him though, it's like Levine and Schroeder to me are on somewhat of a similar level, you know. And and at yeah. least the, the Bulls at least have Robin Lopez, who's like a dependable, solid center. Like the Hawks have no second option. Really, they have a bunch of guys who are like underqualified third options, and they have no bench either. Like there's nothing positive about this team really at all, except for Ursan, who is you know Ursan. Yeah, when he yeah exactly. No, I mean yeah, to me Levine and and Schroeder are basically the same kind of upside. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the both of these teams are just going to hand the ball to these guys and and just let them de- quote unquote develop. Right. I think it's going to be a fight for worst record between those two. They, I mean, they play like four times, which is going to be a brutal to watch. <laughs> those see, I, those are one of those games where are they going to score eighty points or are they going to score one hundred and twenty points each? It, right. It could go either way. I feel like I feel like you know the former i think they're the hawks are going to at least be fundamentally solid on d the bulls i think will attempt to be i mean both of these teams yeah. have good defensive guards and defensive wings but no scorers no not at all so yeah i don't i mean <laughs> i don't know what to expect honestly i mean I, I would be very shocked if the hawks and the bulls aren't among the three worst teams i mean is there anyone in the west that really comes close and record wise they might just because you know they're playing harder teams you know, for a, a third of the schedule or whatever it comes out to, but like Phoenix is bad, Sacramento is bad, but they're not this bad. Nowhere close to this bad. Like Phoenix's roster looks great compared to Atlanta. Oh yeah, I mean Phoenix you, has like four guys that you'd take over almost anyone but true. I mean Phoenix has 
Eric Bledsoe and Devin Booker. That's enough just by themselves to make them better right. than Atlanta. And then Tyson uh, Chandler's better than anyone but shooter on the Hawks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's that's a good point. Yeah, depending on how much he he plays too, which yeah. I don't I don't know how much he will, but um, yeah, and I mean Sacramento, they're who knows? I mean, but the, I mean they signed George Hill and Zach Randolph, right? So I mean that should get you twenty wins almost by default. Yeah, um, I mean, Sacramento has three big guys that would start for Atlanta. At yeah, least. probably more. <laughs> they do. Yeah, um, and. Not to mention Darren Fox, who looks – I think he looks pretty good this preseason. See, he does. He's looked better than I thought. I've I've been low on him, and I really liked him in college and as you know, just as, as a fun player to watch. Like, I'm not anti-Darren Fox. I just – I have my questions with him as far as, like, how efficient he's going to be. He was a really bad shooter outside of the lane in college. Like, he's someone that I think could be productive, but I think he'll commit a lot of turnovers, and I think he's going to shoot, like, sub-40% as a rookie Long term, I like him quite a bit, but I, I am not high on him as an immediate fantasy guy. No, neither am I. Um, you just worry about the minutes with George Hill. Right. I don't know what they're going to do. And the weird thing, the not it's not you know a crazy storyline, but I haven't heard anything about Buddy Heald like He's at been all. Bad the preseason. As you, I haven't paid attention like that much to him. I think I think I looked at it, maybe his box score. It just wasn't. Like that I know he was two of eleven in their last game. Oh, Whatever, yeah. it's preseason. But well, they don't. I also don't know who they're going to start. Like they come out, they they started like the veteran lineup in game one, and then <laughs> yeah. and then they benched them all. They sat new, them all. Yeah, they sat them all in game two, and then went back to it the other night. So, I mean, it would be crazy to me if Buddy Heal doesn't start. But when you have this such an odd mix of guys on this team, that I think Sacramento is one of those delusional teams that thinks they're going to make the playoffs or thinks they should make the playoffs, and then might make decisions according to that, which is clearly unrealistic. And then in the in the long run, it ends up hurting you. Is there any player on the Kings that you would feel comfortable drafting? Uh, I mean, I, I not like super comfortable, but I guess if you had to like power rank them, I think George Hill is fairly safe, right? Like he kind of toes both lines. Like he's not thirty six years old like Zach Randolph, no, but he's also not twenty like De'Aaron Fox. Like I think he, he's probably the safest, and to he me. can play both guard spots, right? I think. Exactly. So that that helps the multi yeah. position thing is really helpful. I mean, I I feel fine about Willie Cauley Stein. I've seen Giorgio's Papayangas try to catch and dribble a basketball and just shoot it's it in general. It. Um, it's not great. And, I mean, every year I say maybe this is the year they don't play Costa Cufos 25 minutes, but, yet yeah, it just keeps happening. I don't know if they lost a bet or something I, but to themselves, him. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, would, I would like this team a lot more if they didn't sign Vince Carter, didn't sign Zach Randolph, right? Like you look, like you look at them as like a nice, okay, you know, they're going to be bad, but you, you know, Scal looked way better than I expected than anybody expected last year. Colley Stein, another guy who, in, at least in my opinion, has been better than I thought he would be. Yeah. Buddy healed even, you know, he wasn't bad. Like you, you had some nice upside you, know, you don't have a Carl Towns on this roster or anything like that. But I think you would look at the Kings in the same way that you look at Phoenix, you know, and, yeah. and again, they don't have a Devin Booker, but you'd say like, all right, there's some nice pieces here. We'll see what happens. And then they're, you're just kind of you're tampering with the development of these guys. Yeah, I mean, I I feel is the Zach Randolph Vince Carter thing is that just like a Dave Yeager? Like, is know. that just a Dave? Like, oh, I these mean, guys, I coach these guys. They were good veterans, and yeah, now, I yeah. don't know. I mean, yeah, because I I uh, last season at the end of the year in a deep league, I picked up Scal Labissier, and it worked out really well. Right. Um, and I just don't know why. I understand like veteran leadership. It's important. They don't want to do the whole 76ers yeah. thing where it's just a bunch of young guys. It's basically just a college team. Right. But yeah, to some extent you're, I don't know if 
Zach Randolph is just going to get DMPs every right. once in a while on back-to-backs. Like, yeah, like they signed like Randolph especially is a guy who has just enough left in the tank where he's he like Vince Carter I could see playing in forty-five games and he's yep. like a legitimate veteran that's always there to do is just be like the Nazi Muhammad Kurt Thomas type of guy, which it seems like he's kind of down with at this point in his career. Yeah, but like, Randolph is not he's not good enough to help you make the playoffs and he's not bad enough that you can DMP him for 60 games. Oh, cuz he's so high usage. Right. Like, like he just dominates the floor whenever yeah. he's in. Like you could see if they were the team that threw a bunch of money at Paul Millsap or something like I would you know, that wouldn't be a good move, but at least you'd be like, "Hey, all right, like I respect at, it." Yeah, <laughs> at least, like you got somebody that if everything works right, maybe you're the 8 seed, whatever. But like they they, they just didn't they're clogging their development while at the same time not really improving their immediate bottom line. Like, they didn't get any better with these guys. No. I mean, maybe five games, but what's... I, need, I don't think so. But what's five know. games that when yeah. you are going to win less than 30 or yeah. 30? I'm not really sure. There's a lot of teams in the West, and, you know, the Pelicans are one that we talked about that I think would be a shoe-in playoff team in the East. I don't know that Sacramento is in that category. Like, Sacramento is... This, this team is worse than a healthy Charlotte team. I think they're worse than Miami probably worse than indiana yeah i would say they're worse than indiana it's tough though because it, actually if this team was in the east they would be trying really right. hard they would, yeah, they that, would well, actually i mean they'd play be george in the hill. mix right sure they would be playing george hill 30 to 35 minutes a game and trying very hard mm-hmm. um now i mean i don't think they're asking george hill to try his try his darndest every single night um i don't know i honestly don't know i really don't know if they think they can make the playoffs or not i don't i don't understand what's going on sacramento but yeah i mean like uh, we were we were talking before the podcast the pelicans they maybe three four seed in the east if the depth is obviously still an issue but yeah there's plenty of teams in the east well look at the wizard bench like i I mean what what really makes the wizard so much better than the pelicans you don't believe in thomas saransky's multi-positionality I will say I've always thought this, and I've never actually looked him up. He's the one player in the NBA that I have no idea what he looks like. I'm actually really? looking him up right now. Oh, okay. I, I think he'll be basically what you expect. Mm. Oh, yeah. Just about. Yeah, when the first jersey that pops up is that is that uh, Barcelona jersey. That's oh, when you of know. Course. Yep. Like it's basically a soccer jersey with the cutoff <laughs> sleeves. Yeah, huh, sure enough. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Washington's another one of those teams like Charlotte that if they have an injury – more severe than the than the already injured Markeith Morris, things could go south for them pretty quickly too. Yeah, it really could. Um, actually, I mean, I like the signing of Tim Frazier. Mm-hmm. He played pretty well as a backup in New Orleans last year, so I thought that was a pretty smart move. Yeah. Um, Kelly Oubre looked especially good in the playoffs last year. So, you know, if even still, like if you lose Iowa Porter for some reason for an extended period of time if you lose bradley beal like you're you're really banking on Ubre, mm-hmm. and i who who else like yeah they have, i mean they have, they have no mike way. they have mike scott like they traded their first forward. rounder to get bogdanovich yeah and, now and he, then he just walks he just walked to the pacers right and i mean not that i thought they should have given him an extension or anything but you got to do something you know like you gave up a first round pick for a guy who you probably knew you were going to let walk and then made no move whatsoever to replace him yeah but he, yeah exactly and he's one of those guys who if if a player on your team gets hurt you just kind of you give him 10 extra right. minutes and he's a net zero i mean he's going to play a lot of minutes right away now for indiana with, with robinson so. out yeah um he's gonna be their starting three right yeah. and then stevenson so. off the bench I think Lance, yeah, Lance is just going to play like wh- whoever one through three is either in foul trouble or is having a bad game. Like he's just going to play that spot. Like I, I don't really know where to place him on the depth chart. I think I, he could play some backup point guard. I don't know either, but I, I got Lance Stevenson with my last pick. 
in the draft I did yesterday. He's 1% owned in ESPN leagues. See, that's crazy to me. Not that he's, not that I like love Lance Stevenson as a fantasy player, but we have him projected for basically like 12 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, but he could very well yeah. exceed that. Well, even so, how many bench players give you that kind of well-rounded production? Yeah, and he yeah. obviously he has I mean, I want to say he has triple double potential, but like big game he, potential. Oh, yes. Didn't he know. didn't he lead the league or finish second in the league in triple doubles like two or three years ago? That actually that sounds right. I think he did. Like his like his last year that he was actually a respectable player for the Pacers <laughs> the first time. Right. But I mean he's looked pretty comfortable in in this role that they've had him in through a few preseason games. because um, they don't they don't really have like a very they don't have a ball dominant player in the sense of like a guard like they have darren collison who we talked about earlier victor oladipo is like this kind of he's a combo guard at this point i guess he played point guard his first year in orlando um last year he was just a spot up shooter so i don't even know it's hard to project yeah. oladipo this year and then after that it, I, stevenson Corey joseph they yeah. could all just the assist distribution on this team might be very equal i think so all too. the guards yeah, and I think Stevenson could end up playing more than we think. You know, if Bogdanovich starts off, you know, a little bit rough, like you can play Stevenson at the three. Like, that's why I think getting him that late in the draft is nice because if you get Corey Joseph, all you're hoping is that Darren Collison struggles or Darren Collison gets hurt. If you get Lance, it's like, all right, you have you kind of have three chances with him. Like, if, if a small forward gets hurt, if a shooting guard gets hurt, if a point guard gets hurt, he can fill in all those spots. Whereas with Joseph, it's kind of one-and-a-half positions. Yeah, because I don't, I don't like drafting guys like banking on other guys getting hurt no, no. or like loot performing so badly they get usurped <laughs> right. in the starting five. Like I don't, that's, I feel like that's unsafe. Ah, uh, yes. Um, and yeah, to me, I mean, Stevenson at least has safe minutes and can play three positions. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that's all fair. Um, all right, yeah, we. Like I said to you before the pod, I'm like, yeah, we'll try to keep this to a half hour. We are at about 55 minutes, <laughs> I think. Um, but thanks for joining me, man. I'm going to be out the rest of the week, but we'll get back to this next week. Yeah, sounds good. One final reminder that we are brought to you by FanDuel. Basketball is back, which means FanDuel is back. It's fantasy basketball for everyday fans with new contests starting every day. No busted seasons. There's something for everyone on FanDuel. Tons of contests to choose from starting at just $1. All you have to do. Pick a contest, select your players, and watch your score in real time. Over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at fanduel.com rw. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit fanduel.com rw. That's fanduel.com rw. Void where prohibited. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.